Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. I hope you've had a lovely Easter with lots and lots of chocolate and maybe some family time, if that is permitted, wherever you are in the current restrictions and odd ways of living. I am your host, Anne Gripper. I am joined once again by my good friend, Daily Mirror Royal Editor, Russell Myers. Russell, nice to see you. Lovely to see you as always. Did you have a nice Easter weekend? I did. I had far too much chocolate, to be honest with you. And now I'm on a health kick. Now you can see my big bottle of water. I've got my green tea. I mean, it will probably last about a day, but, you know. Well, it might last until Monday because the, we're allowed back to the pub on Monday. Outside <laughs> yes. only. But this is a um, happy day. I mean, I haven't even checked the weather. I don't care. I'm going to be there come rail, hail or shine. I mean, it's, it's going to be a, a, an extraordinary moment. We can go to a pub and also, see people, real people. People are going to have to enjoy Russell's lockdown locks for the last time because the hairdressers are open from Monday. Although Mrs. Myers has done She's a had another job. go. She's had another go. She's had another go. Look at she's Has she got the job I think she might do. full-time crimper. Look at that. It's going to a slightly there. different style this time. A bit shorter on the side, longer on the top. A bit very, short on the side, a bit very, wispy. Very, <laughs> very spiffing. Well, anyway, I'm sure people will look forward to seeing that on the Instagram at Podsave. Thank you very much to everybody for joining us. But I want to start by sharing a particularly lovely message that came in on Instagram. And we have to say congratulations to Abigail, who sent a message last week to say... Listen to your royal baby episode while in early labour with my son, who thankfully was born at the hospital on Tuesday morning and not on the bathroom floor. Thank you for the very interesting episode. It was very distracting and perfect for the occasion. Well, congratulations, Abigail. That just made my day. And it was very lovely to think that we were keeping you company at such a... Um, yeah, important moment in important your life. Important moment. Really. Congratulations. That's brilliant. That's great news. That is brilliant. So yeah, congratulations, Abigail. Um, and very much enjoy getting to know your little boy and best of luck. Um, if you've named him Russell, then do let us know. But other names are available. Or William, Harry, yeah, Charles. Lots of, lots of good names. Anyway, right. Well, we hope you are enjoying enjoying motherhoods. Um, other happy things to start the episode. Those pictures of the Queen and Prince Charles, not well, taken a little bit before Easter weekend and released for Easter, them in their winter coats. I mean, the Queen looked particularly cheery, certainly in one, certainly in one of the pictures. Well, in one, in one of the pictures. The other one, she's a bit like, who's this man <laughs> taking photos of us? The other one, she's just like, ha, 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 got you, in her, uh, you know, trademark headscarf situation. A very smart, sort of green, green jacket that you could just imagine her... Um, wearing riding almost it's quite sort of you know it was glamorous. yeah well apparently they were taken on the a spur of the moment they weren't posed up and they were taken by uh chris chris jackson of getty who or a lot of our listeners will be very familiar with his fantastic work um but uh yeah the first one did look like it had been like a snapshot she'd been caught unawares and she was a bit like, grimacing Char- i mean charles looks like he's grimacing at the best of times doesn't he but the, the second one was quite a rather Lovely, lovely shot. Although quite disappointed Charles didn't have that. Have you ever seen that jacket that he wears around Highgrove? He looks like a conker. And it's, it's, it's absolutely threadbare and he wears it doing the gardening. And, but he was obviously dressed up. Because he was they seeing had, his mummy, who is the queen. He was seeing his mummy, and, but, they, his mummy, but they did have a special engagement, which I'm not allowed to tell you about. But it's rather special um, with, well, the, the, with the two of them together. So watch this space. Ooh. 
We'll have to wait a little while. But I was wondering, because it's interesting, because they did say it had been um, taken. In fact, you can see that Charles is wearing a suit under his long overcoat and a tie. So maybe there must be some sort of, you know, very smart engagement. And who knows what the Queen is wearing under her coat, but we should look forward to finding that out. But it was taken before you were allowed to meet up with people in your garden. I mean, fine, the Queen's got a massive garden, which is basically like, I don't know, sort of a it's not a public park because we're not allowed in there but you know so th- they were not operating based on sort of traditional lockdown rules if you like but this well they were working worse. though weren't exactly they? but that so... then it, so you could i mean originally i was thinking well you could argue that they're working because it's their job as the royal family to kind of present an important you know position to the world and it's important to have a nice sort of jolly thing at easter when normally we get to see all the royal family getting together for a church service which clearly wasn't happening um this year but I just think oh it is a bit interesting that the pictures were released after you were allowed to meet up with people but were taken before also they're clearly not two meters away they're a little bit more two feet, right, away, two feet mean, you're, away from each you're other. quite the conspiracy theorist here aren't you you're really getting into well, this. no but I just think I I just think it's interesting <laughs> if you think about the socially distanced pictures we had at Princess Beatrice's wedding where they were definitely you know very much apart this is quite a together walk they're both facing forward and you can argue that you know like fine but it is interesting because we are when we meet up even outside we are meant to still remain two meters away well i'll tell you a little bit about this because i did ask these questions that obviously the world the nation the world and and grip obviously has at the forefront of their mind Um, and i did ask this i said oh they look very close together and then obviously obviously the powers that be in the palace or parents' house were saying, no, 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 no. They were, they were standing separately <laughs> at all times. It's probably just the angle of the camera. I mean, I'm not sure whether I'd buy it. To be they honest, were standing separately, but it is not two metres apart. I mean, I can't It doesn't get my... look like it, does it? No. I mean, perhaps the second one. I mean, no. they look, they, I'm looking at them now. They look pretty level to me. It doesn't look like two metres. Yeah. However... They, the Queen has had both her vaccines. Yeah. Um, so at she's least one. at least one, perhaps two. So we're, you know, we're, uh, they're probably cock a hoop that they're, uh, that they're vaccinated. So, um, yeah, I mean, they were outside as well, weren't they? Yeah. I the Queen does look rather Johnny in the second one. Yeah, I don't begrudge it to them. I did just think it was interesting, particularly because they have been so much at the heart of, you know, sort of encouragement around vaccine. And, um, you know, there was that little bit of hoo-ha around Christmas time when the Cambridges and the Wessexes got ended up in the sort of the same place and being more than six of them together. I can't even remember what the rules were at that stage, whether you're even allowed to talk, talk to anybody, whatever. Anyway, but, the, you know, there have been the sort of vanguard of things. And for these mm. to be the sort of official pictures released. I just thought it was interesting, but they are very lovely. And cherry blossom and daffodils. And daffodils. Very yes, spring-like, yes, very yes. beautiful. And uh, and a nice little bridge in the background. And in Frogmore House, really. in the grounds of Frogmore House, where Harry and Meghan had their enga- uh, not engagement, reception, wedding reception. reception. Oh, wow. I wonder whether they went around Frogmore Cottage and like, graffitied on the walls. I mean, I don't think they'll be doing, doing any tags. <laughs> so I'm not too sure. But it is, it's very, it's very close. I wonder who does look after Frogmore Cottage. There are probably people popping in from now and then. Get rid of the, the cobwebs. Well, if they, that, if that they were to make an unannounce. Somewhere, find somewhere new to live. It might be available. Um, yes. The, what was I going to say as well? The, so, I know you're not allowed to tell us anything about what they were doing, 
are you allowed mm. to tell us, like, give us any sense of when we may find out, or is that top secret too? Coming days, let's just say that. Later I think this month? No, yeah, what are we on? Yeah, April. yeah. I think, I think later April. this month. I think later this month. What a date. I don't know. How it's exciting. the 8th of the 8th. We are recording on Thursday the 8th of April. For, for a change, we normally, it's probably to do with Wednesday. me. Yeah, it's oh, all Russell's fault. Right. Poor Dan Jackson's got to turn it all around really quickly and it didn't start well because Russell's doorbell went just before <laughs> started recording. So we're hoping for... And then the internet broke. But anyway, now is all fine touch wood. So we're smooth, smooth running. Anyway, um, so yeah, lovely pictures of the Queen and Prince Charles. And also, I have to say, I did particularly enjoy the pictures of the Queen when she was out and about in Surrey down at Runnymede for the um, Air Force commemorations it was 100 years of the australian air force and that sort of it's a very queen color not many people can wear that sort of very pale lime green you know but it, i just thought she looked very jolly and spring-like and sort of spring flowers in her hat and she looked quite delighted to be out and about as probably any of us are when we get oh, out gosh, about yeah. at the moment so, just a point on easter Yes, we did have a little exclusive in the in the mirror about just about how that uh, obviously the Queen wasn't going to church. There was no Easter message this year. Very very different to this time last year, of course, when you know the country was being uh, overridden by coronavirus and we were all being locked in our houses and whatnot. But um, good news that the Duke of Edinburgh joined her at a private church service which mm-hmm. you know might not seem like a big deal but he obviously has been in hospital and i think it just marks a remarkable recovery for prince philip because you know he's 99 he's only a few weeks off his 100th birthday um yeah, he's he's he was in hospital for a month and to have that sort of surgery that he had as well as the infection to be uh, up and about and whatnot, and uh, and in good spirits. I mean, that's normally the line from the palace that they're saying, you know, he's in good spirits. But the fact that he did go to church is a uh, is an encouraging sign, nonetheless. Absolutely, and I think um, you know he recovered very quickly after his hip operation back in the day. And he kind of makes me think of so there's a there's a football striker, retired football striker. I think he mainly played for Crystal Palace. He's called Ian Downing. Does a bit of that punditry stuff as well. And this was ages ago. He got roundly mocked, I think, for making up the word bounce back ability. He did. But actually, I think Prince Philip is demonstrating, again, high levels of bounce back ability. He is. He is. I might try and get that into my next article. Feel, we'll feel see free. if it gets past the editors. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, also, your story this week, given that we've been talking about the Queen and Prince Charles next to each other, about the polls, which are quite interesting because obviously we do talk sort of periodically on the podcast about what may or may not happen when the queen's reign eventually sadly ends both as sort of you know how how it will be as a country when you know the queen is the only queen we have ever known and we're going to end up with a king and that's going to be quite peculiar we'll have to change the words of our national anthem and everything and you know it'll be all kinds of change anyway but there is also always this discussion about William potentially being more popular than Charles and should it just jump a generation and have a bit more of a sort of a, a youthful monarch type type thing. And the poll that you were reporting on this week was pretty interesting reading. 
Yeah, it was. I mean, kind of a split, a lot of reaction, which is always good. Always good to have a, have a big talking point like that. But it was quite interesting. Some people saying, well, you know, that's not the way it works. Anyway, I just sort of introduced the poll and it was you know, the main, the top line of it was um, that the public want essentially the crown to bypass Prince Charles and to be handed straight to Prince William and by, you know, nearly two to one. I mean, he had a 20 point lead, 47 to 27 uh, lead. Um, so, you know, they're quite, quite a big gap of, and this is across all age groups. But what was absolutely fascinating is when you boil it down to millennials and Gen Zs, so 18 to 24, they're the Gen Zs, right? Are they? Gen X, Gen Z, I lose track. The kids, the kids. The kids. The youngsters. (laughs) The youngsters, the youngsters. So, you know, who are allowed to vote um, are really influential in sort of how society is maybe developing a lot of uh, thinking at the moment about being uh, a lot of activism is driven by young people in that sort of age group and and arguably younger as well. Um, And they actually wanted it to bypass Charles William and wanted Harry to become king. And I think that maybe that might seem sort of like a ludicrous suggestion, but what it does tell you is the underlying notion that a lot of young people really support Harry and Meghan's way of doing things, that they have stood up for themselves, that they have not been bowed to, uh, to, to the pressure of the monarchy, that they have gone it alone and have seen fit to you know, ditch it and go their own way. Um, and certainly there is a sort of groundswell of support, arguably, among younger people because of our, our, after they did the Oprah Winfrey interview and how they have uh, given their version of events, um, which is very interesting. And, and I think that the, the, the nub of it really, if you, if you agree with it or not, or whether you agree with this poll or whether it should be um, conducted, is essentially that the monarchy really does need to be careful in terms of evolving with the times and whether one of the criticisms of of this poll, both on the mirror websites that we had a lot of comments on, didn't we? And um, both my own personal Twitter and on the mirror Royal Twitter was that, listen, this isn't the way it works, pal. We are in a monarchy and we're not in some sort of uh, democratic system where we can vote for our head of state and uh, and obviously it's um it's a hereditary institution however my point was well isn't it worth discussing that exploring it looking at the reasons as to why uh, william's popularity is such and of, and i think that is because they both william and kate have had a very positive um, influence on the way that the monarchy has been perceived and represented throughout the coronavirus crisis. And no doubt that they would have enjoyed some sort of uh, increase in popularity because of that. And across the, um, the, the age groups, that, uh, that, that seems, to be, seems to be correct. It's also sort of a bit less, I don't know, stuffy. You know, I mean, William is quite formal, but not as formal as his... Bad. Do you know what I mean? It's just a bit. Well, he's, yeah, he is. I mean, he's he's. Let's take the sort of last year or two, and he's been very statesmanlike. He's been doing things in the Middle East, which is uh, told is a big yeah, a passion for his that he wants to carry on throughout the the rest of his uh, stewardship of the Prince of Wales uh, role. And in, 
he's also been able to have laughs with Peter Crouch on the Peter exactly. Crouch and the lads on the podcast. And you wouldn't and get and you wouldn't get Charles having a beer and a curry with you know, people on the podcast, wouldn't you? He's he's well and good speaking to Alan Titchmarsh or writing uh, op eds for Country Life, but it's not really his natural home. And I think that you know, I wrote in a comment piece on this in this um, in this spread. Really, I mean, it's, it's just. I won't read from it, but it's saying that ride. You know, it's not um, altogether surprising that the you know, Cambridges, or indeed William, is riding this wave of public good publicity, considering how they've handled the coronavirus crisis. However, you know, obviously one day he will take the throne, and he will be, um, you know, he will have all the advantages and be shaped by those experiences that he's gaining each year, stepping up on the world stage, helping out his granny and his dad sort out the business of the monarchy, whether that's to do with the business to do with Prince Andrew or the business to do with his brother and his wife leaving the firm. However, a lot of young people probably think that, you know, Harry and William's big environmental credentials are really, really important. That's a top top of the list of, you know, what young matters to young people time and time again, isn't it? About the environment and about uh, climate change. But Charles has been doing this for 50 years. So it's not, you know, it's not necessarily out with the old in with the new. This man has been hugely influential, had made a huge contribution to to society and indeed the world on things like the environment, climate change, and is still continuing to do so. Look at the project he launched in January, the Terra Carter uh, project. I don't necessarily agree with the name. They should have just called it Earth Charter, perhaps, which is what it means. But... um, He's still managing to campaign on these big issues, speaking of the World Economic Forum, which this is going out after 5pm, isn't it? So we can do a tight space-time continuum. <laughs> William has done something for the for the, for the International Monetary Fund, stroke Davos, stroke COP26 coming up in November. And this is sort of like the baton is being passed, I feel. But you almost had to have Charles in order to have William and Harry. And I think they have massively been shaped by their father. So, um, and, that, and, and, I th- and I also think that that's why, you know, older people, including me and you in this, unfortunately. Yeah, we're old these days. <laughs> but that's why older people do actually really value Charles. And he's, over the last two decades, obviously he's had to fight and work to restore a pretty battered reputation in the eyes of the world. His relationship was a divorce and capitulation of a relationship with Princess Diana, the way that the monarchy and, and um, the, the, the royal family ha- handled her tragic death. And, and, and obviously that has been a process. And I, I really do think that there is, there is a huge level of support. I was surprised that it was that 20 point gap, but I suppose that when you're taking into account how, you know the 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 youth uh, feel then um, then that is an issue for the for the monarchy and that's why you have people like Harry and William Kate uh, really trying to move the monarchy on and, and as a side note I won't rattle on too much but as a side note that's why it was so you know it was such a great opportunity to have Harry and Meghan alongside Kate and William to to, to drag it into the 21st century and beyond and and undoubtedly not only we will miss them but they they will miss them being being a part of 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 the new firm because I think I think there's almost two different questions because there is the who would you prefer to have as your next monarch 
versus are you going to kick up an absolute stink if this person is your next monarch? Because, you know, ultimately, yes, as you, as you said, we aren't in a democracy where we vote for who our head of state should be, although possibly we should have some sort of, uh, you know, celebrity big brother style voting for the royal family. Which member of your royal family do you want to have be? I mean, that's a different <laughs> way of... That's a different way of doing it rather than, you know, opening it to the floor and all the, you know, moneyed businessmen or whatever, businessmen and women who want to be top of top of the pops. But, you know, there is nothing essentially that says we will be a monarchy forever. And that is one of the things that the royal family always are aware of and do need to be aware of their sort of public position and what perception is of them and are the people happy with how their money is being spent? And, you know, is there going to be some kind of reckoning? I mean, I don't think the guillotines are going to come out. I think that, you know, that, that time <laughs> is past and left a few centuries ago, hopefully. But, you know, there's, I mean, it sounded like Prince Harry would be quite happy for the whole thing to be disbanded because he thinks they're all trapped and in a cage and it would be much better for people to have a, have a choice rather than being in a zoo. Um, to sort of you know to choose to choose that life essentially and and to choose that that to be what you want it to do but so I think I think there is that that sort of tension between you know fine yes I'd rather I'd rather go to the pub with William but I wouldn't say no to going to the pub with Charles that would be totally fine oh god I'm clearly well, what do you reckon Charles, going to the what pub you, what do you reckon <laughs> Charles drinks what do you reckon his tipplers Oh, it's by part of maybe a lot of organic real ale. Yeah, you, get, you can get organic gins, slow gins, probably. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, I, I know our, our good friend Amber Grafland, um, who used to be on talking about the fashion and all sorts with us, she was always like, Yeah, we'd like to go for a gin and tonic with Camilla. She's at the top, top of our list. Yes, top yes, I stick with her list. Um, so, yeah, I mean, talking about the, the projects that William and Kate have sort of done during the corona times, it was a lovely picture that was released of Kate to sort of promote the hold still pictures being transformed into a book that is available so very sort of you know golden sunshine on her and her you know her looking she looks very outdoorsy I'm sure that it's probably quite a posh sweater but equally it looks like the kind of thing that you could put on to do the gardening somehow do you know what I mean those ones that your grandparents have yeah there might be a hole in the elbow type thing but it's (laughs) very smart and red and oh it's it's a really lovely picture so it was a nice picture the uh the big old, big old sapphire engagement ring there, and her with her trusty camera. That's nice. And uh, finally, oh, not quite finally on the picture front. So, uh, Princess Eugenie sharing a lovely picture for her birthday, saying thanks for the birthday wishes with her little baby August, with his name written on the back of his jacket, looking like a boxer, like a boxer, like a boxer. Like a- <laughs> dressing gown. But she looks yeah, very delighted. Very so that's very nice. But the picture, just a, sh- a shirt. Just a shout out about the the hold still book. Not that I get royalties, royalties or anything, but I had seen a sneak preview of it, and it's really really good. And they're 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 taking these. Uh, it's being released on May the seventh, and there's you can get pre orders from the National Portrait Gallery website. And if you and if you obviously you've no doubt lots of people have seen these these photos. And um, and Kate writes the forward to it, and I, I just think it's just a very very nice coffee book. You know, it's coffee like a completed cycle of this yeah, whole, of this yeah, whole it's project. cool. And obviously, and it is raising money for the charity uh, charities and uh, the National Portrait Gallery's education scheme. So it's all going to a good cause. It isn't just sort of one of the flash in the pan uh, projects. 
Um, it's not only that that long term um, snapshot of Britain that you know to 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 really have something that will last, but it's also come come full circle. You're totally right. Um, the other pictures that I did want to talk about were the pictures of Prince Harry playing with his dog on the beach because you know those those for me are a classic example of the kind of pictures that had they still been working members of the royal family would just not have got published no absolutely i mean he looks like he's having a jolly old time doesn't he he's i mean i'm very jealous he's on the beach playing with his dog in his shorts and his t-shirt uh, paddling in the sunshine. It looks absolutely glorious. But yeah, definitely. I mean, this isn't a real issue. Um, and there's two points that have you know, come to my attention over the last couple of days. Well, one of them today, actually. But these photographs wouldn't get published if he was a working member of the royal family. Uh, and, not and in the UK. They might have got published in very America. True. America they might have got you know, yeah, in America or on, or on holiday. But certainly there would have been some level of, uh, I mean, it's an unwritten rule about respect and downtime and if he was on holiday or if he was, um, you know, on a, on a beach. You won't see pictures of the Cambridge children on Cromer Beach. Or even in the North. Yes, yeah, indeed. So, you know, if, if they're up in Norfolk and uh, Cromer, very nice place, actually, um, on the Norfolk Broads. And it's, um, you just you just wouldn't see that. It's, you know, that's their downtime. There's a, you know, unwritten rule of respect. But uh, but certainly they've entered a different arena, haven't they? And it'd be interesting to see whether there was any, I don't know who published it, <coughs> who, who actually took those photographs, but they were published around the world. Uh, I think they were published first in People magazine and then uh, offered elsewhere and they, and they were published everywhere. But um very interesting in terms of a level of privacy that they've said that they wanted, whether they will get that in the States. Um, they've already fired off a few lawsuits about people taking photographs of residences that they were staying in, whether it was Tyler Perry's mansion or their own. And the legal action over those famous pictures of Meghan walking in the park with Archie when she was in Canada way back in the day. So before they'd actually left, but she'd, she'd, I think she'd stayed on in Canada while Harry had come back to sort yeah. of out. She, the ones she where got, she was got staring the down the barrel of the camera grinning yeah, yeah and some... they sued they sued splash for it and splash or particular that particular arm of, of splash pictures which has now gone bankrupt, gone bankrupt because of that yeah exactly. yeah so, i mean it's, it's it's an interesting point isn't it um the other thing which i found very interesting is a story that's emerged today that the press association did an foi i don't know who the foi was to freedom but of information information request and do you have those in the states let us on a postcard if you do places. we've had them in for about maybe 12 years here yeah. you can essentially send a request for information to various public bodies um setting out your reasons for why you should have it and so i assume and politicians so I, one, do it a lot yeah, so I would assume they have because uh, buried in the copy is that the uh, the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Office declined to provide further details about the call. So they would have perhaps put the FOI into them. And it's a, it, the fact is the police have been called to Harry and Meghan's Southern California mansion nine times in as many months. Now, one of those was a call. I knew if you recall, that was over Christmas. It was uh, Christmas Eve that there was a man seen on the, on the on the premises they've obviously got private security there so they, they, he was told to do one and then uh you know, allegation of trespassing and then he returned on boxing day and then there was another call and i think that they yeah they they uh they arrested him and 
Nicholas Brooks, here we go, 37, booked into jail on the misdemeanor trespassing charge later released, the sheriff's office said. However, lots of these calls are, are alarm activation. So it shows you the sort of Montecito Mansion uh, millionaire's playground that they're living in if your alarm trips and the cops are going to be rushing out to you. But Harry's going to pay for this level of security, hasn't he? So I'm sure he's got a big fancy um, security detail following him everywhere, pacing around his mansions with uh, dogs and cameras and whatnot. But this is a big... Um, big issue because obviously his security would have been um, detailed by, looked after by the Metropolitan Police or Thames Valley Thames Valley Police which is in Berkshire which is in Windsor when they were staying at Frogmore Cottage or you know personal private protection officers private protection officers who were following them um, on engagements and, uh, and abroad so another big headache for the Sussexes whether they're being photographed on beaches, having a nice time, or or indeed uh, being the target of trespassers or unwanted photographers, so um, it, it's just new 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 uncharted territory for them or any royal, I suppose, in the, in the modern day. See how it all evolves, but obviously they, I mean, they should certainly have a right to safety and security, yes, and, um, you know, all of that stuff. Um, news of their first Netflix documentary. I mean, to a certain extent, it's an absolute no-brainer because it's a great subject, easy access, and it's Harry's project so close to his heart, the Invictus Games. Yeah, I mean, this it's going to be it's going to be great. You can imagine big Netflix production uh, going to be produced. With uh, in in line with the Invictus Games that Harry had uh, had founded and, and taken co-founded and taken from strength to strength, it's uh, it's undoubtedly going to follow some really amazing stories of the competitors. Some of them that I was really lucky enough to meet when I was in Sydney at the, gosh, that was the last Invictus Games. Yes, well, that's in twenty. In 2018, yeah, because uh, we were supposed to, last year we were supposed to be in The Hague, which has then obviously been postponed to the next year. So, and then, and then it'll be Dusseldorf, God knows when, in some time in the future. But next year has been confirmed, I saw this week, for, for 2022. Um, and, and I think it's, yeah, like you say, it's a no-brainer. Again, it will be, because I know that this criticism has been labelled at Harry and Meghan, when uh, well, certainly Harry is. You know how, how? What else is he going to speak about? Because when he did the J.P. Morgan, you remember the original big speech he made, and then everyone was like, "Well, he's jumping into bed with corporate giants." What is next for H? Um, after you're speaking about your mother and your the, you know, the, the trauma that it you've you've had since her her death, you've spoken about mental health um, on so many levels um, now you're doing stuff for the Invictus Games what will be afterwards and and that will be the very very interesting question so later on in the year in the in the, in in, in, um, in in preceding years what um, what will happen because well if I, I don't necessarily buy this I think that some people have said that Harry you know, it might be seen as one trick pony, even only speaking about trauma of his mother's death, helping out in the Invictus Games. Um, but it, it will be very interesting to see how much Netflix back him, uh, because they're obviously paying the, the, both of them a, a lot of money and what sort of programs will they be coming out with? 
Till the end of time. The podcast as well. Um, so the the, the the fallout from the interview in some ways um, rumble on rumbles on. I know I just have um, one email from an, an American reader, longtime correspondent, sort of saying, you know, there was a bit of, bit of play about it for a few days afterwards in the states, and then it all kind of died away. It's not got the same level of sort of uh, I don't know, sort of <laughs> ferocious interest that there is over here in some ways. But um, this week we've had, and this was something that we never really got into in the immediate aftermath of that interview because there was so much from the interview itself to dissect, which was, um, so Piers Morgan, Motormouth, um, was a morning TV presenter known to um, people elsewhere, probably because he did America, one of the judges on America's Got Talent back in the day where he sort of... Um, rebuilt his career having been fired as daily mirror editor just before i started working here so i never i never got to work with him but um he has made a very successful career in television but he is you know sort of highly opinionated didn't want to um hide his views at all and was hugely outspoken against um particularly megan more than more than harry really um, in the immediate aftermath of the Oprah interview before it had even aired on ITV and sort of, you know, sort of saying what it was outrageous and making all of these, she was making all of these unfounded allegations. And I mean, he was, there were a lot of people who were offended by what he said. Megan apparently complained to ITV or people on behalf of Megan complained to ITV, not on her own behalf, but on behalf of other people who um, had mental health issues. And he he left he left his role on the show. Like he he'd also had like an absolute ding dong with the um, the weather forecaster who was um, who has sort of spoken about various race issues over the over the last sort of year or so very eloquently and sort of calling peers out on on various different things. Peers had enough, walked off, came back for a bit, and then walked off again, and then essentially didn't didn't come back. Um, sort of saying, you know, I'm not I'm not going to apologise. I've got my views. This is what I think. I'm um, I'm out of here essentially um, and he has now done <laughs> as an interview of his own this week being all sort of I'm you know well, he's done a couple isn't he he's doubling down he is everywhere and um, essentially I think that probably the sort of the most um, well problematic comment because a lot of it is like he's got opinions arguably he has an axe to grind with Megan, because there's, you know, sort of talk that they may have met at some stage when she was an up and coming actress and she sort of gave him short shrift at some stage. And, you know, some people say he's sort of permanently uh, annoyed by this ever since. But sort of saying that people on behalf of the royal family have, I can't remember quite how he phrased it, but sort of thanked him for what he said or essentially, you know, they were encouraging of his. He said he said he had received messages of gratitude from people in quote speaking on behalf of several members of the royal family, and I understand he has doubled down on that and said that uh, you know he chose his words very carefully. They would they you know he he stands by what he says. He has had messages uh, on behalf of several members of the royal family, uh, according to him. So. You have to take them at face value, um, which is very interesting. It's certainly the, the, you know, the narrative that he is playing, that he's he's the one sticking up for the royals in the face of um, such, uh, 
animosity, can you call it that? Such um, an attack. challenge. You tell you, yeah, it's an attack by by both Harry and Meghan. Sort of the the allegations of racism that Harry said that he didn't want to talk about, even though that they're such serious allegations. Um, you know, and uh, very very seriously as well that uh, that Meghan was abandoned when she was feeling suicidal when she was five months pregnant. I think that's a, ve- a very very serious ac- accusation that members of the family told her to essentially get on with it, uh, told her that. And then, you know, when she went to um, the, the Palisade, they were saying, well, you're not, a, you're not a paid member of staff, so we can't help you, which seems absolutely extraordinary. And it does come back to this, this point of, you know, Harry's talk, talked about having counselling. Prince Charles has had counselling in the past. Um, this family is very, very um, on on trend with mental health awareness. They have spoken about it at length. I, you know, I, I, I do see why some people may challenge that version of events and say, surely it, it, it seems absolutely extraordinary why, um, what if, if, if this institution, this family was not permitting Megan to get the help, help that she was, um, that she was asking for. But, you know, that mm-hmm. is what will be, investigated no doubt within the uh, the confines of, of the family the queen has already said recollections may vary and uh, and perhaps we won't know the uh, the true scale of uh, of the truth in uh, in quotation marks i suppose <laughs> also interesting challenge from piers morgan to say well name the name the person who was racist about your baby because i don't want to pay tax for them so i think that's that's sort of an interesting um challenge essentially as well although i'm not you know how how he would manage to make that make those two different things kind of mm, stick, mm. stick together who knows but um clearly that is ongoing um and also sort of um story that has emerged this week about william's friendship like long-time friendship with um journalist itv journalist tom bradby who did the documentary with prince harry and Meghan in africa um and i guess you know it made it made me think of you know if uh, if a couple split up and you're friends with them quite often you have to you essentially choose which side of the the couple you remain friends with and it almost seems like that's a bit what's happened yeah. with William yeah, and yeah, Harry. I that as well i mean he did tom bradby did their uh he was on gap year wasn't he with william or something that was was that when they first became friends Well, they've been friends for, you know, I think figures of 20 years being banded about. Obviously, they were, they were very tight at one point. And you did their engagement interview, um, you know, 10 years, well, 11 years ago now, isn't it? But, uh, yes, yeah, so he's, he's, he's cut him out. He's, he obviously thought that Tom Bradby, according to reports, that, um, he's obviously taken the side. And that's what happens, isn't it, unfortunately, with friendship? Perhaps not altogether surprising. I mean, if, if someone... Bradbury was essentially becoming a mouthpiece for for the Sussexes. He'd not only done the uh, the, the, the documentary out in Southern Africa, but he was also on Alan Titchmarsh's show, um, speaking about the, the brothers, their relationship, and and I guess William had had enough. He probably just thought, you know, I don't, I need people around me when you know the chips are down. Essentially, his, his relationship with his brothers in the in the gutter at the moment. And so uh, he just needs some solid 
solid mates around him and um, and probably thought that Tom didn't have his best interests at heart. So, and it, it, again, it's it's very it's difficult to to start talking to to people who are in the middle. I mean, if it, it, like you said, if it's a relationship breakdown. And one of your mates is an acrimonious one. Exactly. And if that is you know a relationship breakdown, you don't want other stuff getting back to the uh, to the other half or your brother or whoever you've fallen out with, do you? So you're probably careful um, around around them, or you're careful with your words, and uh, and then throw into the mixer that uh, you're a future king and your brother has fled to the other side of the world. It, it complicates matters even further, doesn't it? And then there is also always that sort of tension of um, who does and can speak about speak out about their relationship with and their work with the royal family and who sort of keeps it private or whatever. And I'm sure that must be a, a sort of, um, you know, huge, huge tension for, for various people. So, um, but yeah, sad, sad, sad times. Um, right. Moving on. Well, Semi moving, yeah, no, semi moving on. Let's move on to what the royals have been up to over here. So, last time you and I spoke, Charles and Camilla were just about to head to Greece. Any particular highlights from that? And also, a message from Catherine Carlisle, who sent us a few good questions um, this week on Instagram, uh, said, Could you explain further the decision making process that goes into determining the necessity of an overseas trip? I just don't understand why Prince Charles and the Duchess of Cornwall travelled to Greece at the request of the government, given the travel restrictions and quarantine requirements that others have to adhere to, all for what amounted to birthday celebrations. Well, I can't answer your question, unfortunately, because, you know, I think a lot of people were wondering, weren't they? Um, You know, a two-day trip, could it have been avoided? Obviously, there were... Um, yeah, the reason I didn't go is because I would have had to quarantine for two weeks afterwards, and that just you know, we just can't afford that time off essentially at the moment. If um, there's an awful lot of other stuff going on, you know, Prince Charles made a couple of uh, speeches, talked about how there was quite a bit of Greek blood that's flowing around me, which I'm sure was uh, exuberantly. Uh, obviously, his, uh, his 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 father was a prince of Greece and Denmark, born in Greece, born in Corfu. Um, I don't really know about this trip, to be honest. It just seems, uh, obviously, a, 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 a laudable occasion, the bicentenary of uh, independence in Greece. Uh, beautiful country. Um, I just don't understand why this... It, the optics just weren't... Uh, can, can be argued, can't they? Because... Lots of people are still under lockdown in this country. Everyone's making sacrifices. Um, whether it was class as work, obviously it was class as work. It was a, <clears throat> on behalf of the British government. But, um, you know, they, they went to open a new museum and they were guests of honour at, uh, at one of the palaces. It just seems a bit, you know, I think... Unnecessary. Could it, unnecessary, yeah. Could it have waited... Um, there wasn't a lot of journalists that went on it because of the restrictions. Um, the royals got diplomatic immunity that wasn't afforded to the uh, to the travelling party of journalists. Some I of think them, diplomatic some of them immunity from quarantine, essentially. From, from quarantine, yeah, not from murder. So something about this trip you don't know about, Russell? Yeah, exactly. Proper James Bond. Um, so, again, I think, you know, I, 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 and... Charles, you know, Charles did make make his speech. He was, he was. I'm just reading it here. He was awarded the gold medal by 
uh, by the mayor at the city hall. And this was, um, and he was talking about uh, that, that Greece is the, the first country to sign up to his terra carta, which we mentioned earlier. Um, I mean, all great stuff, but was it was it really necessary? Um, I don't, I guess I we don't, don't know. know. Well, the thing with the missing piece, if there are any Greek listeners listening to us, A, that would be amazing, and hello to you, but B, get, get in touch, email podsavethequeen at trinitymirror.com or um, drop us a message on Twitter or Instagram at podsave because I'd be interested to know, you know, does it, ma- does it matter to you if Charles and Camilla turn up for this stuff? You know, if, they, if they'd said, no, we're not coming, would that have been a massive offence or that kind of thing because you know the whole I guess the point of going on behalf of the government is to improve relations and can you know continue to build bridges between different countries which is particularly on people's minds at the moment because we're in the post-Brexit world but equally you know how things are going to work longer term now that we've all discovered video calls and you know it's not quite the same. It works in a different way. You can't have those little side conversations in corridors at summits or whatever else goes on, but you can, you can get the main business of the day done over the videos for sure. But so I think that's interesting. But the other thing that I thought was interesting is when they got back from Greece, they definitely weren't in quarantine. They were out and they were quite busy afterwards. You had Camilla doing her sort of visit to rail to refuge, which is a really interesting thing and kind of her um, continuing support for initiatives to support victims of domestic violence this was an initiative that was brought in during the first lockdown the sort of realization that people were going to have fewer avenues essentially to escape their abusers if and you know you're essentially in lockdown made to stay in your home to keep you safe except for some people their home is not a safe place so this initiative was essentially that um if you were fleeing abuse you could get a free train ride to where you needed to get to to sort of escape that abuse so i think that's a great cause and then food bank visit and then lovely pictures this week from her visit to a mosque in Haringey, which has been doing sort of food support and pop-up vaccinations as well. Um, and I don't know, you know, we don't, we don't see hugely often um, the Royals sort of with their, with their head coverings, but it's always really, they're always really striking images when they do visit a mosque and, and have that sort of show of respect and, and solidarity and sort of cultural, cultural respect there but the other thing i thought about camilla's outfit russell can you picture her outfit she's got her white head scarf she's got a black mask and then she's got sort of a mm. black black coat and then sort of a sort of cream i don't know something underneath i thought it was a little bit mega markle because it was a little bit capey oh yes the shoulder i can see that yeah so that was that was the thing i was like oh this is interesting I thought it was, this was a really lovely picture. I think it was Chris Jackson again, Mr. Getty doing another great job. Um, and Camilla's finished, she's finished her season one of the reading room. So they're taking a little break over Easter for people to catch up. She's shared some children's books that she thinks are particularly excellent. Although I have to say, I have only um, read one of them and that is Harry Potter. like swallows and amazons i'm aware of i think i tried to read it back in the day and i didn't get anywhere with it but the other three i have never heard of so that was all quite exciting how about you russell are you a were you are you a um you a big reader when you were little no i mean when i was little yes well i'm not i'm yeah i'm not 
I was about to say I'm ashamed to say, but I'm not really. I, I read all the time, but I just don't read books. I don't. I don't read books for fun. I read all day, read every day. Newspapers. Yeah. Like, no. Let me just mm. let me just find these books. So yeah, Swallows and Amazons, the famous Arthur Ransom. Then there was Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, number one in the series. Frederick Marriott's The Children of the New Forest, not one I have ever heard of. So some of these are Camilla's um, childhood favourites. So that was another. That was one of them. Moorland Mousy by Golden Gorse. Lovely picture of a horse on the front, which is always a winner, I think. Um, that's another childhood favourite of hers. Again, never heard of it. And then Catherine Rundle, The Explorer, which is a winner of the Costa Children's Book Award. So that's a 2017 book. And I suspect that that one is one that she has been reading with her grandchildren. So she did speak in a lovely little video about how much she has enjoyed reading stories to her grandchildren. She didn't mention which ones. because She's obviously got um, William's, William's children and Harry's Child number one, number two on the way. And then she's also got her, um, well, her step-grandchildren. Oh, right, and then she's well, also yeah. got her own grandchildren. So lots of lots of children to read books to. But she was saying, you know, that sort of sweet moment of, you know, I've read to them and now they're reading to me. And that's sort of, you know, grandmotherly pride. Joyous, yeah. At yeah, her yeah. clever grandchildren who are reading to her and that sort of shared, shared joy in reading. So I'm sure that is a very lovely thing. And uh, we, we heard her doing her bit on... Um, James and the Giant Peach a few months ago, didn't we? So, that was what, quite good, actually. That was. I wonder yeah, whether she does the voices. Whether she does the voices when she's reading. You've got to do the voices. You've got to do, do the voices. voices. Yeah. Um, so that's all been going on. Williams doing did a video call, speaking again, sort of supporting the um, the NHS and their hard work. And since the start of the year, he's spoken to more than three hundred staff and volunteers, spanning the breadth of the NHS's workforce a series of one-to-one phone calls and participation in regional meetings via video calls. That's that's quite a lot of people. It is. I mean, this is just a statement about man does work. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've written three thousand stories since the I start know, of the year. I might start putting out press releases about how much work I'm doing to my boss and see if they are moved. That's what you went to comments. file stories, and then your boss will see that they are filed. <laughs> it's true. That's yeah, that's where I'm going wrong. Um, yeah, no, it's it's good. I thought we all, you know, we've we, we've spoken at length, haven't we? I think the people, no doubt, in the, who took our poll have recognised how hard William and Kate have worked. Um, we know that they have huge affiliations to the NHS, and that they have really backed the frontline workers and indeed all the NHS workers who have been working throughout the coronavirus crisis. And, um, and yeah, it didn't, it comes as no surprise that they have been doing this and, and will continue to do so, uh, to be honest, but yes, nothing like a little bit of positive PR amidst the mayhem, eh? Yeah. Well, always, always. Well, one piece of work that I do know that you did definitely do, because I saw it on the front page of the Daily Mirror, was your story about Kate having written to the family of Sarah Everard. So the woman who was murdered while walking home. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so we talked about Kate's visit to Clapham Common in the episode two weeks ago. And then you, you had this story afterwards. So, you know, the, the visit to the sort of memorial this i guess the what had become sort of public shrine with people laying mm. flowers that was a, a private visit we talked about it it happened to be a journalist who was there who caught her on camera um 
And so that was a private visit. The palace gave it some context, but they'd say it was a private visit. And then your story was that she had sent a, a, a letter privately to the family of Sarah Everard to sort of further express her her condolences and you know so people some some people have got in in touch um on instagram so saying well you know when private becomes public then it's not private anymore and is this just sort of you know part of the pr battle of of what is going on and and that kind of thing so yes it's a, I mean, yeah i mean let, let me clear let me, I'll just clear a little few things up here um i can i can understand why certain people and certain people do you know we're messaging on twitter and what have you saying uh that very point about that it's, it's obviously a very very private situation for both of them uh, um of course our heart everyone's thoughts go out to sarah everard's family and friends who are, who are dealing with this awful tragic situation um which is still developing of course um and of course, um, Kate went to the Clapham Common. She laid some flowers. She had a few moments um, on her own, silently. She didn't engage with anyone else. That was obviously picked up by uh, an off-duty journalist who said that he lived close by. He was paying his own respects and then um, pulled out his phone and, and, and caught her on camera. And that's why it had made front pages a couple of weeks beforehand. Uh, now... This, this didn't come, I think it was fairly evident from the writing anyway, but this didn't come from the palace and certainly the palace didn't, um, you know, certainly wouldn't have made this public had I not raised it with them. Um, and obviously I had found out that the Duchess had made, had written a letter to Sarah Everard's family. Um, it was described to me as, as a very emotional and heartfelt letter um and she just wanted to express her sadness to sarah's family um about on what what they were going through and and obviously it's a very very private situation um but i was you know i was told by someone close to to sarah Everard's family that they were they were just incredibly touched by the letter they were incredibly touched that uh, the duchess had had thought of them had gone to pay her respect privately and in her own way that it wasn't um, something that was done for PR or, or, or an official engagement and um, and it was just part of the narrative and that they were they would that they were happy to uh, to confirm as such um, and it certainly it certainly wasn't you know a big PR drive by um, by by either side uh, and I think it would be a bit um, you know, out of order to, to present it as such. But it just goes to show how something like this has, has you know, not touched a nerve with the country. There's also, you know, lots, lots of conversations around how safe women have felt walking a, around those parts of London. Certainly Kate, I think it's struck a chord with her because um, similar sorts of ages, Sarah Everard's 33 Kate's 39 now, but but you know, Kate Kate lived less than three miles away from from that scene uh, when she was living with Pippa in a house, in a flat in Chelsea, um, and and certainly there's there has been a conversation around it and and fundraising uh, to donate to women's causes that are still ongoing. So um, you know I I think she just she just took it upon herself to 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 relay her thoughts to the family in, in quite a private manner. Thank you for clearing that one up. Um, 
while you have a think about whether there's any future things that you can tell us about that aren't top secret and which you're allowed to share with us, I'm going to just share one last little um, happy and interesting thing, which I spotted. Um, there was an interview with um, Celebrity Crimper, as, he, as any hairdresser must henceforth it's, it's, be known. It's not the missus. It's not my missus. No, it's she's not. Gone, she's not she's a celebrity. Gone celebrity. No, no, no. Gone. no, it is the, uh, <laughs> the famous hairstylist, Nikki Clark. So he was talking about various, various things. Oh, but yes. also... Magnificent oh, oh. Buffon. Did you did you spot this? Did you spot this? Have you no, I'm just commenting on his hair. He's got well, tremendous hair, isn't he? Anyway, so he was talking about you know various other normal things, but obviously I was like, oh, magpie, royal things in there as well because um, he did Princess Diana's hair a couple of times, including um, when she went to Pavarotti in the park and the sort of famous pictures where she everyone got absolutely absolutely drenched, but she still looked like she was having a great time. So um, he says, uh, I was doing the Duchess of York's hair, and she said. Can you do my mate's hair as well? Of course she did. Of course she did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you must come for dinner. You must come to my daughter's wedding. So he said it was at Kensington <laughs> Palace, very casual in Wills's room. She made me a sandwich and we looked at a copy of Hello that had a retrospective on her outfits. Tremendous. You know, like pieces. And she was like, anyone, God, did I just, really wear that? She was just really lying around. Just oh. lying around. Oh, have you seen? Oh, this old magazine of me. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I must throw this old thing away. You could totally imagine it. Brilliant. Um, so, of course, that night it was a torrential downpour. Her hair was drowned. She still looked fabulous. Um, and then he, got, he was asked about Harry and Meghan as well. And he said, I feel it's just very sad all round. Sad to hear how she felt. Meghan came into the salon quite early on before they got engaged and the staff said she was very lovely. So I have no idea. The real sadness is that this was a chance to have a very modern couple out there that would be a real force for good for the future. They could talk genuinely about people's plight, whether about mental health or mixed race. It seems a shame. Wills and Kate will be good as well, but there is an energy there that looks like a force for good. And I think actually that's a very fair summary of the whole situation you know that's how they think how we feel about it is yeah bad. it's a wasted yeah. Yeah. chance it is. and hopefully c'est la vie hopefully everybody will look back on it in like a year's time and feel like okay that was hard but we made the right decisions we've worked through some of that stuff and are in a better place now Let's wow. hope. What's what's your best? I'm in distance heels. That wasn't that. Was that what? That's not quite what Harry said, but that was kind of the the vibe of it. We're taking some space, essentially, letting mm. the dust settle. I don't know how much dust is actually settling at the moment, but anyway, there we go. Um, right. Is there anything happening that you can tell us about? Or is it all top secret, James Bond? <laughs> no, there is actually. Yeah, Miss Moneypenny. Um, <laughs> there is something I can tell you a little bit about, which is coming out later. Well, within the hour, but oh. it will already have happened when you hear this. Um, Time Which travel. is quite interesting, actually. I think I might have even mentioned it earlier. It's naughty of me. Um, it's about William. William has been making a, a Yeah, you did this. This is Davos. Yeah, 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 space-time continuum. You space-time travelled in our own podcast. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You've got it out of me, see? Um, it is part, I mean, it's very wordy, this, but it's part of the spring meetings of the World Bank Group and International Monetary Fund as part of the event Three green transitions, how systems are changing for people and planets. I mean, that's pretty snappy intro, isn't it? Um, but get past the editors. It wouldn't, no, but it wouldn't get on a headline, would it? But it's quite interesting because um, Prince William is echoing his father, Prince Charles. Essentially, he's been urging, you know, global leaders, big banks, those with the money, to act now and preserve 
the natural world for future generations as, as we emerge from the coronavirus crisis. And that sounds rather familiar, doesn't it? Because that is exactly what his old man has been doing for the last few months. Um, obviously, Charles... God, I should be getting paid for this. I'm, this is the third mention of the terror card that we've had in the podcast. Ludicrous. Um, AKA all, Russell's Earth Charter. Yeah, it's just ludicrous. Um, celebrating 50 years of campaigning, no less, Prince of Wales this year. Um, uh, and, and obviously Wills has been doing his bit with Earth Shot, his big project, giving away lots and lots of money over the next 10 years. Uh, that was launched last year, but... We've got the UN Climate Change Conference coming up. This COP26, which was delayed from last year, but we're hosting it in Glasgow in November. And when sort of I'm reading the quotes, which was from this video that uh, that William has done, I mean, it's just exactly like Charles speaking. He says that um, you know, the, the, the protecting and restoring nature is critical to the success of COP26. And for the brighter, greener, more prosperous future that we all want to see, we cannot rediscover sustainability from coronavirus, eradicate global poverty, poverty, achieve net zero emissions or adapt to climate change without investing in nature. The evidence is clear. Nature continues to decline at an alarming rate. And just the, the payoff is this is crucial if our children and grandchildren are to live sustainably on our precious planet. So it's straight out of Charles's handbook, isn't it? And it is quite interesting, sort of this transition is already happening, I think, that, you know, there will be a transition of power, uh, whether the people in our poll mentioned earlier like it or not. But Charles will eventually take over as king when that happens. No one knows, wishing the Queen a long and glorious life, of course. But when William becomes Prince of Wales, he's going to take over this, you know, this this big environmental climate change uh, mantle. Um, and whether Charles will be able to be as political, because it is a politically charged uh, point, isn't it? He can't necessarily be standing at the IMF and be speaking, telling global leaders what to do as a monarch. So, um, yeah, I think it's 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 quite interesting that these little transitions of power are already happening. And there's that'll be up on the website later, so you can have a look at it. Good. All right. So Dan's got like thirty-eight minutes, well, thirty-seven minutes to get this up before five o'clock. And I was going to mention it. Trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh great well uh, Russell it's been lovely to catch up with you lovely catch up lovely, lovely. Um, hopefully there'll be some more exciting things to talk about next week we do still I, I'm very glad that so many people enjoyed um, my interview last week with Elizabeth Bassford talking about Princess Mary the Princess Royal um, and the other thing I really like about having our guests special guests in is you know I know you, I know well hopefully you enjoy listening to Russell and me because we're here most weeks but when we have different accents from around the country I always get very excited to share those with people because I think it's just a little bit of different texture so that's um, that's always a nice thing as well as getting to hear the interesting things they have to say Russell final mention miss um, well, I've got my hand up it's probably like teaching. just saying that this this documentary The Queen Unseen is on ITV tonight nine o'clock um, I don't know how you can watch it but we have done a piece 
on the website. I have just tweeted it. And uh, the Queen has never seen before messing around in pool in a pool and riding with a dictator. It's all there. But some of these images are absolutely extraordinary. And you've got to check them out. So if you if you aren't in the UK and you can't watch it on Catch Up, The Queen Unseen on ITV1. ITV1? It's just ITV, isn't it? Um, check it out on the website. Check out the photos because they're find it on Russell's Twitter at RJ Myers. The other thing I am just going to do a quick shout out for because I should have done it earlier. Russell mentioned how many people had been commenting on the website about the poll. And that is what lovely Dan Jackson, our producer, deals with most of the time. That's his real, real job is... Um, looking after that community and the commenting community. So if you would like to share your views on royal stories or other stories, if you just head down to the bottom of the page or click the like green comments button at the top of the page, you can have your say on whether that's, you know, who you think should be the next king or or whatever else is going on. So do join that conversation. And if you haven't yet signed up for our newsletter, you can do that at www.mirror.co.uk slash email. I think that's everything. You know the Instagram, you know the Twitter. I plugged that earlier. Um, but mainly, um, it's been great to have you with us. We're looking forward to being back with you next week. Provided we've got out of the pub by then, not entirely certain to be fair because the pub's open on monday we're very excited or i mean, don't know might just be in having the hair done instead that might be also a good option <laughs> exciting times i mean this is the life we lead can you imagine like 15 months ago if we'd been told <laughs> it's just these balmy things like you're so excited at the prospect of going to the hairdresser or the beautician or the pub not even in the pub, in the pub beer garden. That's as close as it gets for the moment. But yeah. Don't be packing your winter woolies away just yet. No. There are beer gardens to go to. <laughs> there are beer gardens to go to. Anyway, right, so wherever you are, I hope the picture is improving and you are getting to, you know, take those tiny steps back towards a normal life. But stay safe and stay well. And until next time... Lord save the Queen!